Let's ask God to help us. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your word and we thank you that here in Daniel we see uh, you foretelling the history of the world. Lord, you're amazing, you're glorious. We pray that you might comfort and strengthen us as we learn more of your greatness this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When the year 2009, uh, Fairfax newspapers commissioned a Nielsen poll of 1,000 Australians. As part of the survey, Australians were asked if they believe in astrology. Not astronomy, most people believe there are stars, but astrology, you know the idea that you have a star sign, you know, Pisces or Taurus or something like that. You have a star sign, and your star sign can help you predict your future. 1,000 Australians were asked if they believe in astrology. How many do you reckon said they believe in it? Answer? 410. 41%. 41%. Of course, it's not just astrology, though. There are lots of ways that people try to discern their future. Psychics, tarot cards, crystal balls, reading tea leaves, fortune cookies, uh, casting lots, uh, throwing dice, pulling petals off flowers. She loves me, she loves me not, that kind of thing. Um, Even opening up a Bible at random to see what God's going to say to you today. Actually... Sorry, this is in the notes for people who've, uh, who've got notes, but uh, um, I had a rather embarrassing experience of this one time. I was asked to do a devotion at a, at a mission, and it was a long time ago, and uh, I didn't know what to do, and I just said to a person who was staying with me, just pick a book, any book. She said, Ezekiel. I said, pick a chapter, any chapter, uh, four. Uh, pick a verse, any verse, 12. I said, okay, I'm going to do the devotion on that. It says, bake it in the sight of the people using human excrement for fuel. For fuel. <laughs> <laughs> the whole idea of opening up a Bible at random to find God's way. Of, uh, yeah. in, in Australia, we have an event called the Mind, Body, Spirit Festival. It has stalls with all these kinds of things, different ways of trying to find out the future. And around about 100,000 100, people attend uh, the Mind, Body, Spirit Festivals each year. Why do people do all this stuff? What, what, do you, what do you think? Well, it would be nice to know the future. Don't you reckon? I mean, everyone worries about the future. It is uncertain. It is a mystery. Will I be able to hold on to what I've got? What's going to happen? Will someone still love me when I'm 64? In our Bible study this week, we asked the question... Um, Uh, What do you think life is going to be like in 10 years? And as we were doing it, I realised I will be 64 in 10 years. (laughs) Hopefully, she'll still love me. Um, (laughs) So so many worries. What's going to happen to my children? Where's the world going? Is Australia going to the dogs? I I hope you've all um, seen that uh, email from Beth during the week about uh, the survey that the government's putting out about Christian schooling, saying that Christian schools shouldn't be able to employ Christians anymore. It's not where it's going to finish. I was reading a report... Uh, this morning, actually, saying that they actually want them to go to churches and say that churches don't, can't, employ, can't just employ Christians. Um, is Australia going to the dogs? And then there's the eternal question, what's going to happen when I die? Most people are worried about the mystery of the future. I was looking at uh, one of Kamalina's women's magazines the other day and uh, checking out some of the ads... And uh, I didn't buy it myself. Um, 
but I was checking it out. This is cultural awareness, you know. <laughs> and uh, and I, I was struck by the, the sense of anxiety that people find. This is an ad for a psychic, okay? In today's world, we're constantly finding people with emotional turmoil in their lives which could be avoided with the right guidance. Where do the answers lie? Who can really help me? We will reveal all, guaranteed. Well, this one, it was unbelievable. She told me exactly what he would do. The peace of mind can only be compared with the joy in my heart. Or this one, master psychics. We can help bring you happiness and guide you to the future with confidence. Well, this one, guardian angel readings. Your angel is here to guide and protect you. Let our trusted and experienced readers take the uncertainty out of your life. Would you like to know the future? I don't, know, I don't mean in a silly way, next week's lotto results or something like that. No, no, I, mean, I mean the big, chick, big picture. Where is our world going? Are, are you worried? Are you worried about the future? What does eternity hold for us? Is there anyone who can reveal mysteries, the mystery of the future, like that? Well, Daniel lived at a scary time, a time when the Jews were very uncertain about their future. The country of Israel we saw last week had been captured by their enemies. It's about 600 BC. Israel had been taken into exile, defeated. Hundreds of thousands of Jews slaughtered and the rest of the people taken into a foreign country of Babylon and they were strangers in an enemy land and they were, and they were worried about the future. It was a mystery. Has God forgotten us? Has God been defeated? Is the future out of God's control? As we come into chapter 2 of the book of Daniel, uh, the king of Babylon has a dream. He calls in all his wise men. He asks them, tell me the meaning of the dream, but don't just tell me the meaning... Tell me what the dream was as well. Now, we don't know exactly why he did this. Maybe he thought all the wise men were scamming him or something like that. But for whatever reason, he wants to know both the dream, tell me what dream I had, and tell me the interpretation of it. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 1. Have a look with me. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 1. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 1. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar, that's Babylonian king, had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we'll interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I've firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. Nice guy. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honour. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Now, of course, there's no way you can fudge this, is there? There's no way the Babylonians, uh, the wise men, can do it. At which point the king really loses his temper and he orders that they all be killed, including Daniel and his friends, who you remember from last week have been made wise men in the court. Pick it up in verse 10. Let's go to verse 10. 
Verse 10, the astrologers answered the king, there's no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Daniel finds out, he asks the king for some time. And then he and his friends, they pray. They ask God, can you please reveal this dream to us and what it means? And to their great relief, God answers their prayer. I'm reading from verse 17 now. Verse 17. Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. You can imagine how happy you would have been. <laughs> He's not going to get killed. Praise, praise the name of the God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, You've given me wisdom and power. You've made known to me what we asked of you. You've made known to us the dream of the king. Daniel goes to the king, tells him that God's given him the dream, tells him that he now knows what the dream is and, and what it means, and then he tells him the dream. It's a dream about a, a statue, a statue made of different kinds of materials. Uh, in the dream, the statue is knocked over by a rock, and then the rock grows into a mountain that fills the whole earth. Uh, read with me from verse 26. Let's go back to verse 26. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No. Wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. You dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come. And the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. Your majesty looked, there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. In Bible study this week, we had to go drawing our own version of Daniel's dream. Don't know how that went for you. We revealed a few hidden artistic talents and a few not-quite-so-talented artists as well. Uh, but here's an artist's impression. Uh, you can see the head of gold, 
chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, uh, legs of iron and feet of iron and clay. That's the dream. And now Daniel tells the meaning. Uh, the gold head is Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. The other sections of the statue are other kingdoms, kingdoms that will rise and fall. And then the rock which knocks down the statue and becomes a mountain is God's eternal kingdom. Let's pick it up in verse 36. Verse 36. This was the dream and now we'll interpret it to the king. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he's placed all mankind and, and the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky. Wherever they live, he's made you ruler over them all. You are that head of gold. After you, another kingdom will arise, inferior to yours. Next, the third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there'll be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the, and the gold to pieces. The, the, the great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. Well, as you can imagine, the king is impressed, blown away, blown away by what God has done through Daniel. He confesses, Wow, your God really is God, the best God, the God who knows the future. And he puts Daniel and his friends into high places in the kingdom. Reminds me a bit of uh, the story of Joseph in um, Genesis that we did a couple of years ago, remember? Verse 46, verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honour and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Daniel saved all the wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. All right, that's the story. Can you see what's here? Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. He wants the wise men to tell him the dream and its interpretation. None of them can do it. Astrologers, magicians, enchanters, they can't do it. But there is a God who can. God reveals the dream to Daniel, and this dream reveals the future of the world. Kingdoms will rise, kingdoms will fall, but God's kingdom will break into this world 
and it will endure forever. Okay. Yeah, before, before we think about applying the passage to ourselves, let's try and think about what it meant for its original readers. Okay, so remember the original readers, they're Jewish people. Uh, they're, they're living back in the land. So they're, they're back in the land of Israel, but they're still under foreign persecution. Foreign, they're still, um, uh, somebody else is still ruling over them. My guess is it's the Persians. It's the Persian Empire that is ruling over them. How would you feel? You're a Jew, you're living in the land, but the Persian overlords are, are really the ones in charge. They're taxing you, they're making life miserable. H how would you feel if you read Daniel chapter 2? So you're living in the Persian Empire, you're longing for the day when God's kingdom is re-established. I guess at one level, in one level it would be almost discouraging, wouldn't it, this chapter? Because the dream reveals we're not there yet. This is only the silver bit. <laughs> we've got bronze, we've got iron, we've got, we've got all this stuff still to come. More kingdoms are going to rise, more kingdoms are going to fall. The, the, the gold head was Babylon, the silver chest, I'm going to say probably Persia, but that's not the end. More kingdoms to come. And of course, historically, we know that that is what happened. Um, after the Persians, if you know your world history, came Alexander the Great and the Greeks. They then ruled the world. After the Greeks were the Romans. And for hundreds of years, Israel remained as a conquered nation. Might have been a bit of a discouragement, certainly a call to just persevere. God's got it under control for those original readers of Daniel. But on the other hand, this chapter would have been a great encouragement, wouldn't it? I mean, Nebuchadnezzar's dream makes it perfectly clear God does have it under control. He knows the future. He controls the future. He hasn't been defeated by Babylon. Did you notice Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar, God has given you all of this dominion, all of this authority, all of this power. These world powers, these great empires, they're not beyond God's control. And God hasn't forgotten his people. And he hasn't abandoned his people. And he still has his plans. Kingdoms will rise, kingdoms will fall. But God has a kingdom that was going to come into this world that would last forever. That would have been a comfort for the original Jewish readers, don't you reckon? Because they know the future. Their God wins. And, and I think for us, as we think about applying Daniel chapter 2 to ourselves, it's, it's surely got to be a comfort to us, don't you reckon? Because... With all the hindsight we've got, we can see now how amazingly, extraordinarily accurate was Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, these kingdoms did rise and fall. And God knew it in advance. It all happened exactly as revealed in the dream. And then we know that during the Roman Empire, God did smash into this world. He established a, a kingdom that's been growing strong for 2,000 years, growing like a, uh, like a mustard seed into a massive tree that reaches all nations, growing like a, a stone into a mountain that spreads through the whole world. Hundreds of years after Nebuchadnezzar and his dream, Jesus came to this world and he called on people. He, he said, what was his message? Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, I'm here, I'm the king, I'm the rock. And he said, you've got to turn your life around. Stop, stop running life your way. Submit to me, Jesus said, as king. He 
died on the cross to take our sin away and enable us to be part of his kingdom, rose again as the eternal king, never to fall. And then he sent his followers into the world. Jesus and his kingdom are this stone that became a mountain. And 2,000 years later, that mountain is still growing. People all over the world have bowed the knee to King Jesus. People in places that Nebuchadnezzar had never even heard of, places like Sydney, Australia. Friends, there is a God in heaven who has revealed the mystery of the future. Lots of people claim to be able to tell you your future. Guardian angels and crystal balls and tarot cards and psychics and astrologers. But when the rubber hits the road, only God knows the mystery of the future and he's revealed it in Jesus. As it says in, in the book of Ephesians, with all wisdom and understanding, God's made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which is purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. What's the future of the world? To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Jesus will be king. Friends, that's the future of the world. That's your future. That's my future. Let me put it into two words for you. Here's the future of the world in two words. All right, you ready? The future of the world in two words. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Jesus will rule over a new heaven and earth forever. And if you're in Jesus' kingdom, your future is secure. I don't mean you know everything that's going to happen. I don't mean everything's going to go right in your life. But I don't mean, I don't mean you're not going to suffer tragedy or anything like that. But here's what you do know. You're on the winning team. The God who reveals mysteries has revealed the future. He's told you the end of your story. And if Jesus is your Lord and Saviour, it is a happy ending. Let me give you just one picture of it from the book of Revelation. It's talking about people who are in Jesus' kingdom. People who've asked God to forgive and accept them through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Have a look at your happy ending. They're before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb, let's go to the next one, please. For the lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. A few weeks ago, Carmelina and I celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary. That's a pearls you're supposed to give guys just in case you didn't know um, uh, are you wearing them oh that's nice okay okay uh, I vividly remember um 30 and a half years ago I was preparing to ask Carmelina to marry me now the thing is we already discussed this at great length Okay, after much debate, we'd agreed on exactly the kind of engagement ring that I was going to buy. Carmelina had made it perfectly clear that she would say yes to me if I asked her to marry me. And so as I planned the proposal, I did it already knowing what would happen. I didn't have to pull the petals off flowers, you know. She, she loves me, she loves me not, she loves me. I didn't have to go checking with her friends. Should I ask her? Is she going to... I didn't have to visit a psychic or look into a crystal ball. No, no, I did it with absolute confidence. I knew her answer would be yes. I knew the future because she told me. <laughs> friends, that's life for us as Christians. That's the confidence we can have. 
We know the end of the story. There is a God in heaven who has revealed the mystery of the future, and it's perfectly simple. Jesus wins. I haven't asked people when I... Uh, Go out one to one with you. I ask people how you're going with your Bible reading and that kind of thing. And, and and I say to people, does it make any difference if you read the Bible and pray each day? And the answer I consistently get from you is this. And I think it's a great answer. The answer I consistently get from you is when I read the Bible and pray each day, it puts everything in perspective. You know, the things I'm stressing about or the things I'm happy about. It's it's putting the perspective of God and eternity and Jesus and knowing the end of my story. And there's no reason that we should let our hearts be troubled. Certainly no reason why you should be going after astrologers or psychics. No, just choose Jesus. Live your life for him. Remember him day by day. Seek first his kingdom, not the kingdoms of the world that are all going to fall. Trust him and just enjoy the peace and the security and the confidence that comes from knowing that in him, Whatever may happen, he wins and your eternal future is secure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank and praise you because you know the future and you've revealed the future to us in the Lord Jesus. That mountain that fills the whole earth is his kingdom and you've shown us your plan that everything and everyone will bow the knee to him as Lord. And you've showed us your beautiful promises that when we trust Jesus, we're forgiven and accepted as your children. And we look forward to an eternity of joy with you. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much that you've taken the mystery and the fear and the anxiety out of our future. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we might delight and revel in this great confidence. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.